It is Mother's Day, and traditionally it seems like in many churches on Mother's Day, there's a Mother's Day sermon that comes, and, and what it seems to me that has been historically in the past, in places at least I've been before, is we usually tend toward like Proverbs 31, you know, and we want to, you know, preach the Proverbs 31 woman, and, and our mothers and our wives are like the Proverbs 31 woman, and sometimes that just heaps more condemnation on others than it does help, right? Amen? Come on, ladies, that's a good place for an Amen. Yeah, and so look, we're not going to heap any condemnation on you today. We know motherhood is hard. It's difficult. It's very, it's very hard to be a mom and do all the things that you're called to do. And so uh, uh, instead of uh, uh, preaching around that, man, we want our preaching to be a blessing to you today. We're going to teach some theology today, and uh, we're going to teach about uh, Jesus today, just like we do every week. So uh, I am thankful that, uh, that you are here, moms, that we do celebrate you today. Uh, this is just not about you. It's never about you, right? Amen. <laughs> It's all about Jesus, and so we're going to preach about Jesus today. Uh, so we got a lot to cover today, and so you're going to have to listen fast. A couple of announcements that you need to know first uh, before we get into this is our student beach trip is coming up uh, this summer, and you got one more week to register. One more week uh, to register for student beach camp. Uh, be sure to do that. I, uh, I got a note today from our student leaders that said there's no student gathering tonight. Uh, so it is a time for you to spend time with your moms and clean up your rooms. Uh, so that, instead of coming to student ministry, do both of those things uh, tonight. And then a student beach trip is coming up June 2nd through the 6th, last week to register. And then next week, uh, just to entice you to come back, the ice truck will be here uh, again after gathering, and we'll have, uh, we'll have free ice things from the ice truck. Uh, so a lot of going on, and we just want you to know about those things. Genesis 41 is where we will be today. Uh, so we left off the narrative last week in the text uh, with Joseph interpreting some dreams for two dudes he had met in prison. Uh, one, he, to, uh, he told them that one of them, the chief uh, a cupbearer, would be restored to his position. You're going to go back, you're going to get to be back where you were in the position where you were before, and the other, the baker, would be hanged. And so Joseph said, hey, uh, remember me whenever, you, uh, whenever these things come true and uh, don't leave me hanging. But don't no pun intended. Uh, especially you, the cup bearer, you need to remember me. And Baker, you've got enough to worry about on your own. So uh, just remember me, cup bearer. And sure enough, the predictions came through. What he said his dreams were about actually came true. And uh, uh, the cup bearer, uh, he, he was restored to his position for the baker, it came true. It was into into the rope for him, but uh, and uh, and then the cupbearer forgets Joseph. He's forgotten. He got rescued out of prison. Uh, he got was t- everything that happened was told, and he forgot all about Joseph. And that's where we find ourselves in the text today. So I'm not going to have the text on the screen today. There's 52 verses, and uh, so I'm going to ask you to follow along in your device, on your Bible, whatever it is that you have with you, and uh, to follow along as we read through this. It's a long text. I'm not going to read it all to begin with. We're going to take it in sections today. So just throwing you a curveball for Mother's Day. All right, here we go. Uh, Genesis chapter 41, verses 1 through 7 is where we will begin. After two whole years, Pharaoh dreamed that he was standing by the Nile, and behold, there came up out of the Nile seven cows, attractive, plump. They fed in the reed grass, and behold, seven other cows, ugly and thin, came up out of the Nile after them and stood by the other cows on the bank of the Nile, and the, uh, and the ugly, thin cows ate up the seven attractive, plump cows, and Pharaoh awoke. 
And he fell asleep and dreamed a second dream, a second time, and behold, seven ears of grain, plump and good, were growing on one stalk. Behold, after them sprouted seven ears, and blighted, uh, seven ears thin and blighted by the east wind, and the thin ears swallowed up the seven plump full ears, and Pharaoh awoke, and behold, it was a dream. And so after two full years of Joseph being in prison, he was forgotten by the royal cupbearer, uh, but God had promised, uh, and God had a promise, or he didn't have given the promise, but he had a purpose in the delay. There was a purpose behind Joseph being forgotten in prison. And now this purpose is going to get explained. I mean, after all, if, if God had wanted to, uh, the butler could have remembered right away, right? If, if that, could, that could have happened if that had been God's plan. He could remember a year later than, rather than two years later. But God moves in his perfect timing. Amen, church? God moves in his perfect timing. How do you feel whenever things don't happen on your time schedule? All my OCD people are getting real nervous. How do you feel when it doesn't happen on your time schedule? Angry, Angry? yeah. Overwhelmed, impatient, frustrated, confused. Yeah, all those things are true, right? Ever feel that you're waiting on God? Can you imagine Joseph? I mean, the reality is Joseph really did nothing wrong. He was sold by his brothers to a, you know, the, the band of, uh, of travelers that had come by. Then he would end up getting asked to interpret some dreams. And, and you know, he sees an opportunity. That, hey, I've interpreted these dreams. This may be my ticket out. You know, I've, I've got to do this. And, and then he was forgotten, forgotten by the cupbearer. And then there was the baker. And, and he sits in prison for two more years. Nothing happening. Nothing transpiring. Not a word from the Lord that's recorded. That had to be tough and lonely. And he probably felt abandoned at the time. Some of us can probably identify where Joseph was, how Joseph feels, lonely, abandoned, afraid. But in this text, it tells us that Pharaoh had a dream. Seven fat cows came out of the water of the Nile. They were consumed by seven really skinny cows. And then the second dream, seven thin heads devoured seven fat heads of wheat. What in the world could that mean? Let's keep reading in our text, verse 8. Joseph is called to interpret these dreams. Verse 8, so in the morning his spirit was troubled. This is Pharaoh. And he sent and called for all the magicians of Egypt and all the wise men. Pharaoh told them all his dreams, but there was none who could interpret to Pharaoh. Then the chief cupbearer said to Pharaoh, I remember my offense today when Pharaoh was angry with his servants. And you were angry and you put me in the, and the chief baker in custody in the house of the captain of the guard. We dreamed on the same night. He and I, each having dreams of his own interpretation. A young Hebrew was in there with us, a servant of the captain of the guard. When we told him, he interpreted our dreams to us, giving us an interpretation to us, uh, to, each man, his, to each man according to his dream, and as he interpreted to us, so it came about. I was restored to my office, and the baker was hanged. 
And Pharaoh sent and called for Joseph. They quickly brought him out of the pit. And when he had shaved himself and changed his clothes, he came before Pharaoh. So Pharaoh told him his dreams. There was nobody that could tell him what they meant. He called in, you know, all his uh, Egyptian magicians, and I'm sure they were very impressive during the day, and, uh, but none of them could tell him what any of this stuff meant. And so Pharaoh knew that they had to mean something, but nobody could give him an answer. And he's Pharaoh. He wants an answer. And then suddenly, ding, the light bulb goes off in the, in the, in the mind of the cupbearer, and he's like, oh my goodness. I forgot all about this guy. There was a dude in prison, and he, he could do this. I mean, he could tell me. He interpreted dreams for us, and, and what he said, they actually came true. And I, I can't believe that I've forgotten this guy. I mean, it went really well for me. Didn't really go well for the baker, but it went really well for me. Let's, let's go get that guy. And so Pharaoh sends for him, and he calls him, and he says, go get this guy, and suddenly things start to happen really fast. They kind of clean up Joseph, they get him out of the prison, and they're like, hey man, come up, uh, the Pharaoh wants to see you. And I know that many times, many of us can probably find ourselves in the same way. Long periods of time when it just feels like God's doing nothing. Long periods of time whenever we just don't see the hand of God moving at all. But God's timing is perfect. God is always moving in his timing of what he's trying to accomplish, and it works out for his timing for the best for us too. See, sometimes whenever God is, we don't see him visibly moving, sometimes he's doing some of the deepest work in us. Sometimes he's doing a little bit of heart work in us. Sometimes he sets us to the side so that he can do some things specifically to us as individuals that he might not be able to do when we're with the crowd or when we're going about our regular routines. When life just passes us by, and we look up and we're doing the same things over and over again, sometimes it's hard that God doesn't work a lot of times in those places because we just kind of give him the Heisman and go, I'll do it my own way. I'm doing things my own way. But here, he's set Joseph apart. He's set him aside, and sometimes that's where he does his deepest work. The question today is, what is God doing in you? What, God, what is God doing in you today? What is he chipping away at you today? How is God forming you to be different and conforming you into the image of Jesus today? The text goes on in verse 15. Pharaoh said to Joseph, I had, I've had a dream, and there's no one who can interpret it. I've heard it said of you that when you hear a dream that you can interpret it. And Joseph said this, Joseph answered Pharaoh, it is not in me. God will give Pharaoh a favorable answer. I love Joseph's response. It's not in me. I, it's not me, bro. But I'll tell you what God tells me to tell you. It's not about me. It's about whatever it is that God has to say. See, Joseph could have taken an opportunity to glorify himself, right? He's like, wait a minute, this may be my ticket out. Man, I'm your guy. I'm your guy. You want a dream interpreted? I'm the dream interpreter. I got a t-shirt that says it. I, I can sell you some merch. Uh, uh, but I'm the guy that can interpret your dream. That's not what he said. He's like, I can't do this. But God will do it for you. God will interpret your dream. Only glorifying God is what he was such, trying to do. 
Man, it's so hard as humans, isn't it? It's so hard for us to just say, this is not about me. This is about the Lord. Hey, this is not, this is not me doing this up here. This is the Lord doing some work. And I just happen to be here and get to watch what's happening. So hard for us to not take all this and uh, take an opportunity to exalt ourselves rather than exalting God. It's difficult in ministry. I mean, other people like to encourage pastors. And I'm thankful for those of you who uh, say encouraging words to me. I'm thankful for those of you who don't say encouraging words to me. Uh, I'm, just, I'm just messing with you. I'm not thankful for you. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, I'm really kidding. Um, I, I am thankful for that. It encourages me whenever you say a, a kind word to me or just an encouraging word about what God is doing here. But it's, but it's not about me. This, this is not about uh, me at all. Uh, and sometimes God chooses to um, have a pastor's ministry kind of blow up and be a big ministry. And to do something really big and, 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 and have a big far reach and, and reach multitudes and multitudes of people. And the difficulty is because we pastors are dudes too, is that blows us up. And it puffs us up. And it puffs up pastors. And it becomes about the guy here rather than about Jesus. Man, if you're, if you're here and you're a guest and you've got a church home that your pastor points you to Jesus, you keep going to that church. That's a church you need to keep going to. A church where, the, where from the pulpit you get pointed to Jesus because he is our hope. The pastor's not the hope. The pastor's not, pastor's not the guy that gets it all right. The, guy, the pastor in the pulpit should be the guy that's just pointing to Jesus. Amen? Amen. Joseph said, this is not about me, but it's about, about God will to do it. And so it seems like that uh, God's character building thing that he was doing in Joseph uh, was actually working even when they couldn't see anything working in his life. Sitting in prison for two years, but this is the first thing that comes out of his mouth whenever he gets an opportunity. Hey, it's not about me, but it's about God. God is always, say always, always, always at work. God is what? Always at work. In your life today, God is what? Always at work. In my life today, God is what? In your life today, I'll remind you one more time. God is what? Always at work. Trust him. Trust God. Know him. Listen, you need to know him. It's hard to trust somebody you don't know. Hard to believe somebody you don't know. Trust him. Believe him. Don't let him be a stranger, just something that's out there. He's a personal God who loves you and cares for you so much that he gave his life for you. Trust him, know him, believe him. Let's keep going. Verse uh, 17. Pharaoh said to Joseph, behold, in my dream, I was standing on the banks of the Nile. Seven cows, plump and attractive, came up out of the Nile and fed on the, green, on the reed grass. Seven other cows came up after them, poor and very ugly and thin, such as I have never seen before in all the land of Egypt. They were ugly cows. And the thin, ugly cows ate up the first seven plump cows, but when they had eaten them, no one would have known it because that they had eaten them, for they were still as ugly as the beginning. <laughs> Then I woke. I was like, ooh, them some ugly cows. Uh, 
And also in my dreams, seven ears growing on one stalk, full and good, seven ears withered, thin and blighted by the east wind, sprouted after them, and the thin ears swallowed up the seven good ears, and I told it to the magicians, but there was no one who could explain it to me. And so... The, he, when he retells this dream to Joseph, a few more details actually come out in the telling with the, where the skinny cows ate the fat cows and, and they, didn't sell, they themselves didn't become fat. As I read this to begin with, I was like, this kind of makes me mad because these cows ate a whole cow and they didn't get fat. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> I'm like, I need to lose weight. I need to get this transplant done. I need to lose weight. I sometimes eat these stupid Octavia bars that have like 100 calories in them, and I can gain weight from these. I mean, I, you think I'm kidding, but I can eat them and go, oh, I've had Octavia all day, and step on the scale, and I'm up three pounds, and I curse the scales, and I'm like, these scales are from the devil, you know? Uh, you know what I'm saying? I mean, it is a, a difficult thing. But these things, these cows in the dream, they, they ate the, the other cows and nothing ever happened. Uh, it was kind of weird dreams. So he goes on in verse 25. So Joseph interprets the dream. This is what he says. Then Joseph said to Pharaoh, the dreams of Pharaoh are one. God has revealed to Pharaoh what he's about to do. The seven good cows are seven years. The seven good ears are seven years. The dreams are one. So he said, hey, both those dreams, one dream. Dreams are one. The seven lean and ugly cows that came up after them are seven years, and the seven empty ears blighted by the east wind are also seven years of famine. It is as I told Pharaoh, God has shown to Pharaoh what he is about to do. There will come seven years of green plenty throughout all the land of Egypt, but after them there will arise seven years of famine, and all the plenty will be forgotten in the land of Egypt. The famine will consume the land, and the plenty will be unknown in the land by reason of the famine that will follow, for it will be very severe, and the doubling of Pharaoh's dreams mean that this thing is fixed by God, and God will shortly bring it about. And so he says, so Joseph says, these two dreams that you've had, they are one dream. He says, and now pay attention. So what he's saying is, you need to listen to what it is that God's trying to tell you. He's got a message for you, and you need to listen very closely. And they, so he told them again, the, the seven uh, ears and the, and the seven cows represent seven years. There'll be seven years of plenty, followed by seven years of, uh, of uh, or seven years of abundance, followed by seven years of famine. And it will be so bad in the se second seven years that the first seven years, you won't even be able to remember. That's how bad it'll be. And so it was uh, repeated twice. The dream was repeated twice. Uh, it was confirming that God was saying this is about to happen. Uh, and, and this repetition uh, to Joseph meant that God was, there was some urgency about this. And this was about to happen. Joseph knew that the entire matter was in God's hand. God had a purpose for the dream. God had a purpose for the timing. God had a purpose for the famine, God had a purpose for Joseph being in jail. God had a purpose for everything. Say this with me. God has a purpose. God has a purpose. God has a purpose for what he's doing in your life too. God has a purpose for the timing that he has brought events into your life too. God has a purpose for suffering that may come your way. God has a purpose for the unspoken jam that you may find yourself in right now. 
God has a purpose for everything. Look, I'm not telling you clearly that everything will always be pleasant. You can't read the Bible and figure out that everything always works out really well, can you? I'm, t- I'm telling you, anybody that preaches that, that God always wants good health and wealth and prosperity for us clearly hasn't read the Bible. I mean, just through 42 chapter, 41 chapters of Genesis, we've seen all types of calamity, all types of difficulty, all types of people finding themselves in, in unbearable circumstances that only God can rescue them from. That is the polar opposite of many times what people will preach from a pulpit. Let me tell you, God doesn't promise you health, wealth, and prosperity. You may have it. We may have health. We may have wealth. We may have prosperity. But we may not. God has a purpose for everything. Whatever the thing is in your life right now, know that it has come from God. There's nothing that happens outside of what it is that God would want and cause to happen or allow to happen. Verse 33 says this. Now, therefore, let Pharaoh select a discerning and wise man and set him over. This is what, it's what Joseph said to him. Let Pharaoh select a discerning and wise man and set him over the land of Egypt. Let Pharaoh proceed to appoint overseers of the land to take one-fifth of the produce of the land of Egypt during the seven plentiful years and let them gather all the food of these good years that are coming and store up grain under the authority of Pharaoh for food in the cities and let them keep it. That food shall be as a reserve for the land against the seven years of famine that are to occur in the land of Egypt so that the land may not perish through the famine. And he said, so Joseph said, look, you need to appoint officers in every land. You need to put people over other people in every land. And there's some things that are going to need to be done. So Joseph shows a lot of boldness. He's like, man, he's been in prison. He's been back here and Pharaoh's called him in. He says, here's what your dream means. And now this is what you need to do. Appoint people. Hey, Pharaoh, most powerful man on the earth right now, you need to appoint people, put some people in charge and divide them up. This is what you need to do. Look, some people don't like to be told what to do, right? Who likes to be told what to do? Raise your hand. Only like three people uh, like to be told what to do. I saw a couple of husbands raise their, their hand. Like, yeah, I, I raised my hand, baby. You know. <laughs> but Joseph said, hey, this is what you need to do to avoid the famine that's actually coming. So, so that people don't, the land just doesn't perish. These are the things that you're going to have to do. Uh, see, Joseph sensed there would be a reason why God gave this word to Pharaoh to prepare for the coming crisis. And so this is what's true too. God uses people to further his plan. God uses people to further his plan. God, uh, uh, Barnhouse says this, God always works through men performing tasks on the earth. He always works through men performing tasks on the earth. So that's not just, just men, but all of men and women working, uh, performing tasks on the earth. He uses me. He uses you. He uses wicked people. He uses people and whatever else he wants to do to further his plan. The text goes on in verse 37, says this, the proposal pleased Pharaoh and all his servants. And Pharaoh said to his servants, can we find a man like this 
And whom is the Spirit of God? Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, since God has shown you all this, there's none so discerning and wise as you are. You shall be over my house, and all my people shall order themselves as you command. Only as regards to the throne will I be greater than you. See what he's saying? He's like, with only regards to the throne will I be greater than you. So there'll be nobody greater than you, Joseph, except me. That's what he said. I'm Pharaoh. I'm the head honcho. You are next. And then everybody else is under you. Verse 41. Pharaoh said to Joseph, see, I've said over you all the land of Egypt. Then Pharaoh took his signet ring from his hand and put it on Joseph's hand, clothed him in garments of fine linen, put a gold chain about his neck, like a big one, uh, with like, and, and, he, and he made him ride in his second chariot, and they called out before him, bow the knee. Thus he set him over all the land of Egypt. Moreover, Pharaoh said to Joseph, I am Pharaoh, and without your consent, no one shall lift up hand or foot in all the land of Egypt. And Joseph, unless you tell somebody to do something, ain't nobody doing nothing. And Pharaoh called Joseph's name Zaphniath Penya. I like Joseph, but that's, what, that's Pharaoh's name. And he gave him the marriage uh, to Asenath, the daughter of Potiphera, uh, priest of On. So Joseph went out over the land of Egypt. And so it's an interesting thing. Look back in uh, verse 38 uh, and see what verse 38 says. It says that, um, can we, uh, Pharaoh said to his servants, can we find a man like this in whom is the Spirit of God? This is the first mention, actually, uh, in the Bible of the Holy Spirit coming upon a man. And, and somebody recognizes that guy's filled with the Spirit. That guy's filled with with the Spirit of God, Joseph, I mean, Pharaoh saw that Joseph was something clearly different about Joseph. Hey, listen, if the Spirit of God lives in you, there'll be something different about you. If the Spirit of God lives in you, then there'll be something different about you. How does the Spirit of God live in, in us? Does it just come randomly? Do you just get it because you come to church? You just get it because your mama went to church? You get it because you know the preacher at Refuge? Well, that's, no, no. Uh, no, 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 none of that happens that way. You get the Spirit of God in you whenever you repent of your sins and you put your faith and work in the finished work of Jesus. That means you become a Christian. And I'm not talking about some uh, religious activity. I'm talking about trusting Jesus for all of your salvation, giving your life to him, surrendering all of who you are to all of who he is. The scripture says when we repent and believe the gospel, then the Spirit of God comes and fills us. And there should be something different about you. Listen, if you think you're a Christian, you think you're filled with the Spirit and there's nothing different about you, you're probably not a Christian. If your life has never changed anywhere along the way, whenever you said that this is who I was and then I got saved right here and baptized and, and then I'm a Christian now from that point forward, if there's been no life change, you're probably not a Christian. Because the Spirit of God, he recognized what? The Spirit of God that lived in him. So there was something clearly different about Joseph. And there should be something clearly different about you and me if we're filled with the Spirit of God. Amen. He goes on in verse 40 and says this, You shall be over my house and all my people shall order themselves as you command. Only as regards to the throne will I be greater than you. Uh, Joseph had now gone from the pit to the pinnacle. And he had, been, he had been in prison just a few hours prior to this, and now he was second in charge of the entire, uh, of the entire country. 
But it took 13 years for that to happen. I mean, from the outside, Joseph looked like an overnight success. So you walk in and go, people, this is Joseph, do everything he says. And, and so it looks like, well, man, Joseph must have been doing this for a long time. No, no he was just in prison. I mean, he, he was just there. 13 years, seemingly wasting away. But we know this, church, God is always working. Say that with me. God is always working. See, Joseph was a man who seemed to have all the gifts. I mean, early on, he, he just seemed to have all the gifts and talents of leadership, but Joseph needed those things to be honed. Joseph needed some time to come to the, to the place where God was going to use him in a specific way. See, leadership is a tricky pathway. Uh, at Refuge, as we, uh, we're an elder-led church, if you're new to Refuge, we, we, have, we, we have elders that lead our church and a plurality of elders uh, uh, here at Refuge. And three things that we say that are, 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 are must for elders, there are three C words. One is competency. Uh, can you handle the scriptures? Can you, uh, uh, can you handle the things of God? Can you look what it, what it looks like to lead a church family? So company is one. A character is another. Are, are they filled with the spirit? Are they, uh, are they of high character where they don't do everything right, but they, 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 their trajectory is toward good uh, a character? And then chemistry. Is it somebody that comes on the, on the, on the elder team and actually enhances the elder team rather than becoming a, a, a fight the whole time? competency, character, and chemistry are all important to being uh, leading. We're slow to put people into, into places of leadership. It was slow to get Joseph to this place. We're slow to put people in places of leadership, and we have quick off-ramps. Long on-ramps, quick off-ramps. Unfortunately, many times we get quick on-ramps and long off-ramps, and that becomes destructive in churches. We, tr we try to do it the other way. Let's, let's keep going. Um, uh, yeah, let me, let's, let's keep going. Let's keep going. Verse 46. Seven years of plenty came to pass. Joseph was 30 years old when he entered the service of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. And Joseph went out from the presence of Pharaoh and went to all the land of Egypt. During the seven plentiful years, the, the earth provided abundantly. And he gathered up all the food of the seven years, which occurred in the land of Egypt. Put the food in the cities. He, he put in every city the food from which the fields around it. And Joseph stored up grain in great abundance like the sand of the sea, until he ceased to measure it, for it could not be measured. And so Joseph did all that he was supposed to do. He, uh, uh, he actually stored up grain during the seven years of plenty. You know how that, that's difficult, right? When, the, when things are plenty, what do we want to do? We just want to spend it all, right? We get a bunch of money, what do we want to do? Spend it? You get your stimulus check, what do you want to do? Spend it, yeah. Uh, we, we don't want to store up none of that stuff. We want to spend it. Uh, we, we spenders. And, and so, but, but Joseph was not that way. He said, I'm going to store this up for seven years. And, and this actually, um, uh, it was customary during this time for Pharaoh to take like 10% of the grain uh, from people just as kind of his, for, you know, for the king. But, but Joseph was taking 20%. He said, I'm taking more than what even Pharaoh normally takes, but he was storing it up 
uh, that will be a, a blessing to them later. It goes on in verse 50. Uh, before the year of the famine came, two sons were born to Joseph. Asenath, the daughter of Potipharah, priest of On, bore them to him. Joseph called the name of the firstborn Manasseh, for he said, God has made me forget all the hardships at all my father's house. 52, the name of the second is called Ephraim, for God has made me fruitful in the land of my affliction. Uh, so the first uh, child is named Manasseh, uh, whose name means forgetfulness. And the second child uh, was named Ephraim, which means fruitful. Forgetfulness and fruitful. Those are the names. That's what ch- uh, Joseph's children meant. Uh, Verse, thir- uh, verse 51 says that Joseph forgot about all the difficulty that was before him because God had turned his circumstances around and done such a work in his life that he had forgotten all of the difficulty. See, it was God who was faithful. And the faithfulness of God made him forget about the difficult times. I I know some of you are in hard times. I know some of you are like, where is God? But my prayer for you is that you will wake up one day and go, God has been faithful this entire time. So much so that sometimes the hard times are beginning to fade away. It's hard to remember those difficult times. Redeeming your situation, that's what God did for Joseph redeeming his difficult situations that were behind him. He's like, I'm going to give you something different. It doesn't always happen that way, but it did for Joseph. Keep going to verse 53. The seven years of plenty that occurred in the land of Egypt came to an end. The seven years of famine began to come, and Joseph had said, there was famine in all the lands, but the land of Egypt, there was bread. When the land of Egypt was famished, the people cried to Pharaoh for bread. Pharaoh said to all the Egyptians, go to Joseph. What he says to do, you do. When the famine had spread all over the land, Joseph opened all the storehouses and he sold to the Egyptians for the famine was severe in the land of Egypt. Moreover, the earth came to Egypt to Joseph to buy grain because the famine was severe over all the earth. Now the entire earth was coming to where Joseph was to feed him from all the grain that he had stored up. There's plenty in the land of Egypt and the earth was coming uh, because of the great famine. All countries came to him. People in Canaan, including Joseph's family, also suffered from this famine. But God made a provision by sending Joseph ahead of them. God made a provision for the people who sold Joseph, wanted to kill him, by sending him ahead of them so that at this point, Through Joseph, he can make a provision to him. What does Romans 8, 28 say? We know that all things work together for good, for those who love God, to those who are the called according to his purpose. See, Joseph didn't have Romans 8, 28 at this point. He he, he didn't have that to read like you and I do. He didn't have it written down, but he had Romans 8, 28 in his heart. He knew that God worked things good. He stayed faithful the entire time. Your pastor's concern for you today is, is that many of us know what Romans 8, 28 says on paper, but you may not know what it says in your heart. So what do we do with this? 
This is a long text, 50-something verses, a lot of years that it covers, famine and seeing the Pharaoh and providing and Joseph becoming second in, in this. Here's what I think. Sometimes life is hard to bear. Sometimes life is just hard to bear. Sometimes life is crushing. Sometimes life is devastating. And we may look around and go, I don't see any reasons around me why this situation is going to get any better. Kind of like Joseph sitting in prison when there was no hope. But listen to your pastor. Please don't give up. Please don't give up. If you're watching online, please don't give up. Because God is there. God is not ever absent. God is not ever somewhere else. He can give you a life worth living for. He did it for Joseph. He's done it for others. He's done it for me. And he can do it for you. Was God in it whenever Joseph was sold by his brothers? Was he? Was God in control in the middle of all the chaos? Was it all good? It wasn't all good. Was it all for sometimes the invisible purposes of God? See, either God is in control of all things that go on. Some of you, hey, listen, some of you who are worrying about something right now, either God is in control of literally all situations that go on or he's not God. Don't give up. Pharaoh said to this, he said, do all Joseph says to do and you will live. The Old Testament points us to the rescuer. The Old Testament stories are not about moralistic help, moralistic therapeutic deism. The Old Testament points us to Jesus in the same way, I would say, do all Jesus says to do and live. Jesus came to serve, not to be served. Jesus came to give his life as a payment for many. Jesus says, and this is important, you must be born again. See, many times whenever people read a text like we just read today, our, our takeaway or our pastors will say, make your life more like Joseph. Do the things that Joseph did. Be faithful all the time. Just wait and get your turn. Be, be, be faithful like he is. Always walk the walk. Live your life like Joseph. And they make this whole text about Joseph instead of about Jesus. That's called man-centered preaching. Joseph certainly is a model of perseverance. Trust in the Lord through difficult circumstances. All those things are true about Joseph. But many times, you and I just won't do that. Many times, we just won't persevere. Many times, we just won't do the right thing. Many times, we won't follow the people that do it in scriptures. And that's the fallacy of man-centered preaching. Genesis 41 and the story of Joseph 
point us to the only one who ever did it right, the only hero, and it's not you, it's not Joseph, it's Jesus. The story points us to Jesus in a number of ways. This, this is how Joseph is kind of a, uh, a, mar- a remarkable picture of Jesus. We, we did a sermon series a number of times ago called Jesus the True and Better. And this is how I believe that Joseph's life can look and go, this is pointing to the one that is to come. Joseph was a shepherd. He was loved by his father. He was sent to the brethren. He was hated by his brothers. He was rejected by his brothers. He endured undue punishment for his brothers. He was sentenced to the pit. He was sold for pieces of silver. He was handed over to the Gentiles. He was regarded as dead, raised from the pit. He was tempted severely, but he didn't sin. He was falsely accused. He made no defense. He was cast into prison, numbered with the sinners and the criminals, endured unjust punishment from the Gentiles, yet he showed compassion. He was recognized as having the Spirit of God. He was betrayed by his friends. He was glorified after his humility. He became the only source of bread for the world. And the world was instructed to go to him and do whatever he said to do. See, I've been, here, I've been sent here to tell you today that whether you're in the pit or whether you are or should be in prison or whether you're in the middle of despair whether you think that your life is lost and without hope or whether you think you're forgotten and no one cares, Jesus still sees you. Jesus knows you. Jesus loves you. There's hope for you today. Right here. Right now. No matter how deep the pit, God's love is still deeper still. No matter how great your sin, where sin abounds, grace much more abounds. And just as Joseph was instructed and sent to deliver and save his people, God has sent me here today to tell you that you too can be saved and rescued through faith and trust in the true and better Joseph, Jesus. Not just knowing about Jesus, not just knowing facts about Jesus, but by trusting in his finished work on your behalf, repenting of your sin, turning away from your sins, and putting your trust in his righteousness. That's what stories are about. That's what stories are given to us to point us to the Redeemer, our only hope. His name is Jesus. I'm gonna invite you soon to give your hearts to Jesus today. You pray with me. God, we love you and we need you.